Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is an Unspoiled Network podcast. This is Spoil Me, covering One Piece. Episodes 16 and 17. I have to constantly restrain myself from saying season one because evidently this show just does not work that way. In these chapters, Captain Kuro is finally defeated and we have a new crew member on the team. Welcome to spoil me. Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Natasha. Thank you very much to Florian for commissioning this episode. Um, Florian was no thank you florian's thanking me because i'm recording on a thursday which i don't usually do but um there was a mix-up because somebody marked something they commissioned as a one piece episode and it turned out that's not actually what they wanted and that left a gap and a lot of people have booked wannabes for the show so people are booking wannabes obviously for the episodes they are interested in talking about with me specifically and if we messed up the order that I covered stuff in, then it wouldn't land on the episodes they were excited to talk about. So I am not recording with Rashawn this week. She's taken a week off and I had some open time. So I was like, you know what? I will just uh, pop something into that that empty slot on Thursday and then we'll be able to keep everything on track. So thank you to Florian for uh, at the last minute funding this episode. Um, so these two episodes, first of all, I'm very excited about a new crew member. I am, I'm, I'm, this is the thing. I don't feel like I have a great handle on Usopp's character because everybody sort of has their hook and Usopp's just seems to be, he's a really nice guy and he lies, but he lies, but he's nice which is, that's not something that you usually see paired together. Usually when somebody's a liar, they are also like sneaky, devious, whatever. And really with him, it feels, there's no like threatening aura to him at all. Um, so I'm, I'm more interested to see what they wind up doing with him. Because I will tell you guys something that I was really pleasantly surprised by, which is that I thought there was going to be some like dramatic kiss between him and Kaya and that they they were going to treat this as like him having earned her affection and it is not like that and I was really like gratified it's just treated much more like they really like each other they're close friends now and he did this because he just cares about her as a person with no like real expectation of anything further and then goes off on his own adventures. And as he's leaving, we hear her say that she thinks that she wants to be a doctor, 
which it's that, you know, her having her own separate goals. So I was sort of thinking that that was going to be a really like predictable turn for things to take and it didn't. Um, so that's cool. And you guys know, Kaya was just sort of boring to me. So as far as I'm concerned, her being sort of out of it, at least for the time being, maybe we'll eventually see her again. Since this show goes on as long as it does, nobody's really off the table, right? Like you could bring back virtually anybody if you wait long enough. Um, but let's talk about how episode 16 starts, because what I really enjoyed about this episode is Usopp's pirates going home alone on a motherfucker. You all know how much I love Home Alone. It's pretty much my favorite movie. And this is a bunch of kids up against a grown man who has kind of a superpower. And they just completely wreck him. And there is a point at which it looks like he's going to win anyway, but it's still just really fun to watch. They lure him into the woods, which they know better than him to begin with. And then they set a bunch of traps for him. And I really enjoy when they're like waving a white flag at one point and they're like, come, come here. We're willing to give up Kaya. We'll tell her where we'll, we'll tell you where she is, where we've hidden her. And he's, they're waving this flag. And he says to himself, yeah, I'm not an idiot. I'm not going to fall for that. And then he just walks right into their trap anyway. I really, that was a little stroke of genius because what they were trying to do was not to get him to come to them, but to distract him so that when he walked forward, he would not see the rope that was there to trip him. Just little things like that, that I was like, you know what? These kids are pretty smart, actually. And we find out at the end what each of them wants to do for a career because he's like asking them about their goals. And I found it sort of fascinating. I don't know if each of these kids actually has a name within the show. They probably do. I don't remember them. You guys know I'm not great with names in the best of times. It's taken me a minute to learn the main characters' names. So, but there, one of them wants to, uh, wants to be a novelist. One of them wants to be like a master carpenter and another, I forget what the third one, but uh, I really like these very specific things that they each want to do. There was just something very touching about this. So we've got Django following them into the woods and we hadn't actually gotten to see the effect of his Killer Frisbees is what I'm going to go ahead and call them. Um, because when he had tried to use it before, it hadn't actually hit. Or I can't remember. Maybe Luffy caught it. Uh, whatever it was, it just didn't get a chance to complete whatever he had sent it to do. So this time, we get to see him take down a bunch of full-grown trees. And he says at one point that he will shave the forest bare if he has to, which I don't know why putting it that way is so gross, but it really is. It makes it feel like they're all like, like lice running around in hair and he's shaving it with this like, oh, I hated it. I really did not appreciate the like mental image that I got in that flash there. Um, but, it, you know, also unwittingly, he's creating a lot of cover for them. Because every tree that he fells, that's some place that they can sort of hide behind because they are very small. Reminder, you are very small. Treebeard would not be a fan of this weapon. Um, so he's like, basically spends most of this episode wandering around going, where are you? Tell me where you are. Where are you? Tell me. There is one moment where one of the kids is about to uh, sneeze and they all jump on him and stop him from sneezing. And I got to tell you guys, this was one of those things that I, if I were a kid watching this, I would be so pleased 
because I would get so angry at the trope of I'm hiding and I can't make a sound, but now I have to sneeze. I'm hiding and I can't make a sound, but now, now something like I've, I've swallowed dust and I want to cough. I would get so mad over it. So I think I would really have liked seeing this kid's friend stepping in and being like, oh, no, you don't. And literally pinning his like nose and mouth shut. Have you guys ever sneezed even though you were trying to really hold it in? I remember when I was a kid, I would hold my nose when I sneezed because I just didn't want to like spray everywhere and I didn't necessarily have a sleeve or a tissue or whatever. So when I was going to sneeze, I would just hold my nose and just sort of go like this. And I got told by so many people, including full grown adults, that doing that would blow the back of my skull out. That like they had, they knew somebody it happened to, you know, that kind of urban myth. I, even when I was like a kid, I was like, that sounds fake. I don't know. That would never happen. But I had so many people be like, you really shouldn't do that. You know, it's not good for you. I'm like, what are you talking about? Um, oh my God. Florian says onion, carrot, paprika is the name of their, their, the kids look at their hair and you know who is who. Right. I remember one of them being called Onion because that reminded me of uh, Steven Universe because there's a kid named Onion in that. Um, I'm looking at them right now behind the the tree when one of them. So we've got the Onion kid has the brown hair. Um, what are the other two? Carrot and Paprika. I Get is the green one carrot? His hair's green. Why wouldn't it be orange? And then we have the the purple hair with orange, which paprika, the green is paprika. Okay, because like when you buy paprika, it's orange or red, depending. Um so is that like the type of what the pepper looks like before it's roasted or smoked or whatever they do to it? I didn't know that. I have never looked into the origin of a lot of spices now that I think about it, but that sounds pretty fascinating. I probably should. Okay, so carrot is the purple one. Weird. All right. It's, uh, I wonder why they included carrot at all. Uh, there is green paprika. Is there? Oh my God. I have to Google this. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sure a lot of you do not care at all, but I just need to look. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's a, it's a type of bell pepper. Oh, it's a bell pepper. What? All right. This is, I, I, I'm sorry. I will come back to it. I will. That's real wild. I had never heard it. There are so many different words for foods out there. I'm still getting used to courgette being a zucchini in the UK. Um, anyway, so then we go to uh, Luffy and Zoro. And they are running together trying to find wherever Kaya is. And they do not know which way to go. Like Zoro's not... He doesn't know the directions on a map in his head. And I mean, I don't either. You know, guys, like, how how accurate, standing where you are, and not moving and looking around, how close do you think you would get to being correct about north, south, east, and west? I think east and west, for me, are these ways, because I'm pretty sure I know which direction the sun comes up from, but that's about as good as I got. Um, so this, like, this is a kind of revisiting the trope that I really enjoy, which is, oh, oh, for some reason, everybody knows exactly where to go. And I'll see this all the time. And I understand that they are meant to be like trained professionals. But when you're watching like, um, any sort of of movie where they're like, we've got like FBI or SWAT team or some, you know, they'll say like Northwest corner of the building. And I'll always be like, do people have to like double check or do they innately know where he means when he says that? 
And I really would like to know how you get that drilled into your head. Um, but yeah, we're dealing with people who, for whom this is not a priority. And so they do not know it. It's kind of funny that they, it isn't a priority though, because they're like on the sea and navigation should be actually pretty key for them. So I guess if Usopp has this in his head where he can say, go east, he's better at it than the rest of them, which means that he's going to be an asset on the ship. So that's good. Um, so, okay. This is when they all begin to talk about how uh, Usopp is... <laughs> they start off with like, our captain is a liar. And it makes it sound like they are going to abandon him. And then a second later, they're like, we're never going to leave him to fight on his own. Um, and I really enjoyed this the spirited he even he went and fought he tried so hard to protect us they're really doing their whole like he are this dude who's like 10 years older than us is such an inspiration and they are ready to go out there and take a bullet for him for kaya and kaya who is sort of like she's struggling badly keeping up with these kids because they're flat out sprinting for a lot of this. But she looks up and she's like, Oh my God, your children, you definitely can't die for me. What? Which I did appreciate. She's just like, mm -mm, no, I, I really appreciate the thought that that is touching, but absolutely not. And I was like, thank you. Good. There's a there's a grown up here, kind of at least. Thank you. Um, Alexandro says, "Well, Zoro had gotten lost when we met him, and Luffy immediately wound up in a barrel in the sea." Yeah, Zoro's really bad at it. Him and Luffy are just. I I wonder about Nami because she was like on a ship by herself, so I have to think that she's better at navigating than the other two. Um, Gabriella, some people have got sense of have good sense of direction. And then there's Zoro and Luffy. I go real back and forth. Like I know, you know, the way that a modern person determines their sense of direction is usually if you park in a huge parking lot and go into a mall, or like a civic center somewhere that's got a just massive building that has a bunch of different exits. Can you figure out where you parked when you come out? And that's like, the sort of test that a lot of us have in our head for if we have a good sense of direction. I will say I am like 70% of the time I'm correct about it. But when I'm wrong, I am so wrong, <laughs> like literal opposite direction kind of wrong. Um, that said, though, I'm definitely better than Owen because when he and I are together, he'll go – I, I won't even understand how he can think we're parked over there because there's like a very memorable statue of like a person that is near our spot that we can see from here. And I'm like, how do you not remember that that's we walked past that on the way in? Um, but, you know, that's like one of those things that they talk about people having different ways of, of determining where they are. And apparently there are like two types of people. There's people who remember names of streets and they remember like data. And then there are people who remember landmarks. And I am definitely the second type. I don't remember street names. God help me. Like you, when I first moved down here, people would try and be like, oh yeah, well you don't want to take 75. You want to take 84. Guys, I have only just figured out where 84 is. And I've been here seven years up until then, it was the back way. That was that I would be like, oh, do you mean like the back way? Oh, okay, yeah, no, no, I get what you mean, but pff, forget it. Other than that, nothing. Um, so then we go in the midst of them, you know, fighting off Django. We go to Captain Kuro. I didn't remember exactly where we left off. 
at the previous episode of evidently Luffy, like when we start here, Luffy is standing over Kuro and has broken a bunch of his like sword fingers off. And I don't remember what attack he used to do this, but it, you know, it's not like they're they're not any sort of weapon at all. You could still fucking cut with those, don't get me wrong, but it's certainly not the same. Um, Alexandro says he slammed a rock on his claws. Okay, I don't remember that. That is a very clean break for a rock slam, I'm just going to say. Sharp rock, I guess. All of these dudes down, like the pirates waiting to see who wins, are still cheering for Kuro. And I'm like, do you guys not? He's been such a dick from the moment he showed up. Why are you still on his side? And it kind of seems like that's just force of habit. Like that's all it is. It's just kind of, well, what are you going to do? And I am loving how things turn around when they're like, wait, you're going to kill us. I really, I will get there in a second. Um, Oh my God. And one of them yells, go Captain Kuro. And another guy stops and is like, that name's taboo now, which I really love this. This is like, uh, you're dead naming him. What are you doing? But it's just like really fun to see these these pirates just call each other out and be like, mm, no, that's not what we call him now. I think his name in the village is Clahan something. Clasan then. And then they began to just like chant Clasan. And, uh, Kuro is really not appreciative of this. I was a little bit insulted. And this is kind of what winds up getting to Luffy. Because he gets up, Kuro does, and says, I'll come to exterminate every one of you later. Django too, of course. And they're like, "What? why? And he says, "Ah, uh, because I'm here, like trying to set up an entirely new identity and be respectable? And how am I going to be able to pull that off? If there are still people out there who know who I am, that's not going to work. Uh, your corpses will be enough for me to place the blame on you. I never intended to let you leave this village from the start. This is obviously Kuro's like bad habit. He just doesn't know how to keep his fucking mouth shut. Kuro, what are you doing, buddy? You already spilled your guts to a servant that you then left alive like a fucking chump. What is this, amateur hour? I thought you were supposed to be good at this. And then you're up here just being like, Oh, I know that I'm like deeply outnumbered by all of you. And I know that I still sort of need you to like fulfill the rest of my plan. But I'm going to tell all of you how I plan from the beginning to backstab each and every one of you and then lay the blame for it all on you. Why would you do this right now? Just shut up. Just shut up. What are you saying? Gabriella says, does that clear your doubt of why he asked his pirates to go to the village, though? Oh, yeah, I'd forgotten that I was like, why would you even do that? It does somewhat. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. He just called them all to him. And because they're going to be the only ones, I guess. He just has to depend on that. Nobody has uh, left his crew and gone on to a, a different job. But yeah, thank you, Gabriella, for reminding me. I had forgotten that I was like, I don't understand what the point is. Um, but yeah, so he's just standing there, like, telling them every bit of his plan because he's cannot resist. He's like the quintessential egomaniac where he really wants everyone to know that he outsmarted them. He can't just get away with it. Um, have you guys watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine? It's one of those shows that like, it's a shame that it's about cops, because it really is a fun show. And there is an episode where 
and I'm going to spoil this, but it's a great episode. Um, I'm trying to remember the actor's name. His, it, I can't remember if it's first or last name is Sterling, but he's excellent. And he was in like that, um, that OJ, uh, like, I can't remember the name of it, but it was on Netflix. Sterling Brown, I think it is. Uh, the dentist one, Kyle. Yes. Thank you. He knows the one that I'm talking about. And, um, this guy is like, obviously the best suspect for a murder, but they cannot pin anything on him. And so they have, they're holding him in the interrogation room for as long as they're allowed, but their time is going to be running out. They are allowed to hold him for 24 hours and they have no, nothing to keep him there. So Jake is starting to get really desperate and then finally, at one point, he realizes what drives this guy. And he goes in there and he posits that, oh, here's what you intended to do, but your plan went wrong. So you had to do this and you didn't think of that. And basically makes it sound like you tried to commit a crime and it got like out of hand because you didn't plan ahead well enough. And this dude winds up completely confessing because he's so angry that somebody would suggest he was that bad at planning a murder. And he has to interrupt and be like, no, no, I thought of that. And this is what I did. And that is what I did. Cause I had it all planned out and figured out. He like, can't help but pipe up and be like, I'm not stupid. I did it really well, actually. And I got to tell you guys, that is a fucking mood and a half for me. Oh, I would be so mad if somebody like wasn't giving me due credit and I had done a really good job. It would be really, really hard. You know, like this is something I always say when I'm watching Veronica Mars or anything where people have to pretend to be somebody else and she'll go into a situation to collect information. But a lot of times she has to fake being like less intelligent than she is, or she has to embarrass herself in order to get somebody to come over to her. And I couldn't do it. I have too much pride. There's just, I, I couldn't even like, even knowing in my heart, I know I'm much smarter than this. It would still bother me to have other people think that I was that stupid. So I guess what I'm saying is, Captain Kuro, I get where you're coming from. I understand the impulse. But also, you need to actually pull it off before you get to be smug about it. Save the smugness for later. You know, like, keep a couple alive somewhere so that you can gloat to them before you kill them. But like, for the most part, just shut up until it's over. Um, anyway, so this fucking Luffy says, You're, <laughs> you guys are idiots. You are such an uncool pirate group. I live for him just telling this dude that he's uncool. Cutting. Do you hear me? If Luffy tells you, that you're not cool? That's a wrap. I don't think you recover from that. That sucks. <laughs> this guy is standing there a foot taller than him with like blade fingers. And he's still just like, you really, God, this is, I'm embarrassed for you a little bit. This is pathetic. And this is when he starts talking about like, how pirates are just collections of uh, misfits and outcasts and they're nothing without a plan. And my men live and die according to what I have planned for them. And there's a really interesting moment where he looks at Luffy and I think he wants Luffy to acknowledge the point it's odd, but it's a, a a moment that passes that's very long. Um, it feels like it's a full, like, seven seconds of them just staring at each other in silence. And then he gets an angry expression on his face and says, that's how, this is how pirates are. Like, he's defensive about it. And then don't talk down to me, traveler boy. 
And I really like, I, I found this turn very fun. And I thought in terms of the writing, I was like impressed with it because what they're doing is I had been saying Luffy has too many morals to be a pirate, right? The whole thing is that he kind of wants to help everybody. And yeah, he wants to be a pirate king, but it really doesn't feel like he has any idea what that means. When you think of a pirate king, in ordinary terms, what you're thinking of is somebody like, basically, a sailor Tony Soprano. You want somebody who is ruthless and in charge and respected and probably has a lot of bodies behind him but not like Luffy where he gets in. I don't know how many people have actually died. It's hard to say sometimes if somebody has died, died, or if they're just sort of taken out of the running for now. Um, but there is a certain amount of like targeting other leaders and taking them out and taking their place. And Luffy has just never had that energy to me. So I sort of appreciate that the show is like, all right, we're going to show you some pirates that act like actual pirates, or at least a version of them, and see what Luffy thinks about that. And it turns out he isn't a fan, and it's not until later that when Nami's talking to him and she says something like, "I yeah, because he's like, well, that guy was a real dick. And she's like, pirates are dicks dude like what do you think and she says they're not this lovely thing that you make them out to be if anything he's more the standard so i hope you're ready for that and luffy doesn't really reply and i really you know compared to we had kuro we had uh oh my god i was about to say bobo guys what's the name of the clown Buggy, thank you, Florian. Holy shit. Um, he has to be really, like, starting to understand now that pirates are not what he had thought, right? Like, then there was the first woman. And so we've got, what is that, three so far? I know there was somebody in between. No, he worked for the Navy, so that doesn't count, that guy. Um, Alvida, thank you, Florian. I always forget her name. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm sort of interested to see if Luffy begins to reevaluate the way that he like wants to pursue things or if he's just going to be like, well, I'm not going to be that kind of pirate because how can you call yourself a pirate if you're not looting and stealing and whatnot? Otherwise you're just a sailor. So if you just want to be a sailor, then that's fine. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Um, Bernadette says, but he also met Shanks. He did, but like, he didn't see Shanks in action. We haven't seen Shanks in action. He seems like a good dude, but like we have only, the only thing that we really saw of him in action was when he was younger, hanging out with Buggy. And it was a weird bit where we didn't see the, we saw them like splitting loot, but I'm assuming that he had to have killed people and whatnot to get that, right? Uh, Alexandra says the most piratey thing about Luffy is he does not respect the authority of the Navy and he likes hunting for treasure. Right. And like even the treasure, it's, it's a very, for him, it's a very take it or leave it sort of thing. He doesn't really get as attached to it as Nami, who literally is cuddling a bag of treasure by the end of this pair of episodes. He's like, I would really like some treasure, but if you don't have any treasure, I will also take several buckets of chicken wings, and I will be equally as happy with that as with gold, actual gold. In fact, low-key, I prefer the chicken wings. That's where I'm at. Um... But anyway, so, yeah, he tells Kuro here 
you think that you are such a badass, but the truth is Usopp is a better pirate captain than you. And I love that Luffy says this ludicrous thing. And fucking Kuro is just so fragile. He can't just be like, ah, you dumb kid. He, like, gets so angry and is like, are you saying that I'm inferior to? And I'm like, dude, how have you gotten this far? You are way too easy to rattle, sir. Chill. So this is when he starts (laughs) out of the bag. You guys, I think I've talked to you before about how the, like, it was a weird lineup for me. When I started covering this, it lined up with right when I finished reading what had been written so far of the Cradle series by Will White. And because I had, like, caught up, I followed Will White on Facebook. And he posted, he is... Guys, if you haven't read the Cradle series, but you like One Piece, I really recommend the Cradle series. I really, really do. Will White posted about how he was going to be taking a break because he had been putting out like two novels a year. He had been writing like a fucking demon. And he was taking a break and he planned to reread, I think he was reading, not watching, all of One Piece. And that was like his, going to be his activity during his downtime. And watching this episode, especially, this was when I began to see some of the inspiration from One Piece in Cradle. Um, And I won't get too into it, but the out of the bag attack for a moment before they like the, the pirates wind up sort of explaining what the attack is once we're in the midst of it. But initially... You just see slashes begin appearing everywhere. And I was like, is he just able to sort of like reach? How? But there is an attack, uh, a technique, as they call it in the Cradle series as well, called the Endless Sword. And the way that it goes is that there's, there's aura coming off all objects at all times. Objects and living beings, people as well as plants and animals. And if you have a technique that uses a certain type of energy, you can pull it out of the surrounding area to fuel your technique. So the endless sword pulls basically what's called sword aura off of any sharp edge in your vicinity, which means If you are in the midst of a battle and people are all using swords and axes, you have a fucking shit ton of sword aura to pull from. And the technique essentially causes a storm of slicing through the air. Just it's it's like there's no object causing the slice. It's just as if a razor passed through the air and will shred you just into confetti. And this reminded me so much of that. And I sort of wondered if this isn't where he got part of the idea for the technique before, you know, it's clarified that what's actually happening here is Kuro is in, he's sort of Tasmanian deviling it up and just wildly slashing out as he spins and doesn't even know where who he's cutting. So, like, when he first starts to wobble, all of his men are like, uh, should we be here? Because we've seen this before and, like, just being nearby is a bad deal. But they don't move. There's not really anywhere to go. I guess they can't get even back on their ship because, like, Luffy just tore the freaking front of it off. So where are they going to go? But they all get cut and Luffy gets cut as well a couple times. I have sort of wondered about him being so rubbery and whether or not that was going to be a 
help or hindrance or if it would matter. Because there are times where we have seen attacks that don't really seem to have any effect on him at all. But he gets cut in a couple places and starts bleeding. But it's not really a great technique because it doesn't feel like Kuro can aim it so well. It seems as if he just lets himself lie completely out of control. So this doesn't have the effect in the end that he was hoping for. Uh, Nami, meanwhile, is watching from the ship. And she's sort of stunned because eventually Luffy just is fed up. And there are slices being gouged in the rock around him. And finally, uh, he decides that he is going to catch this guy and grabs him. The blades are like right at his face. And Kuro can't just... Eventually, he, he sort of talks him because, like, I got a little ahead of myself here thinking that this was when Luffy wraps his entire body around him. That isn't until a little bit later. But it is really Kuro's fault because there is a point at which he's got Luffy at knife point and he doesn't take it. He, like, says something about how he's really going to make it hurt, you know, that he wants to sort of take his time. And I'm like, you really shouldn't be doing that right now. Um, but later, Luffy grabs him and wraps his entire body and sort of knots himself around Kuro, which was a hilarious image. I really, when the camera pulls back and you see him basically like hugging him, that was very funny to me. Um, Florian says, I started Mistborn and now I regret it. Cradle sounds fun. Don't regret. I mean, I really like Mistborn, but Mistborn is a lot heavier. Um, it's got a lot more like theme to it that feels very relevant to right now, which is part of why Miles and I always finish our episodes by saying fuck the police. Um, and so our talks about it can be pretty heavy too. Cradle is just a great time. Cradle is extremely fun and it's the kind of thing I, I get a little bit burnt out sometimes on content that can be relentlessly bleak, which is why I appreciate One Piece so much. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that I cover that's really depressing. And I sometimes get the feeling with certain authors that they almost enjoy the shock of having bad things happen to characters more than they value telling a good story. Because I feel like there's a trend lately with that. And I really appreciate that the author of Cradle doesn't, he lets his characters have some wins. He lets his characters like move forward in substantial ways. And I just, sometimes you just need that. You need to read something where good guys come out on top, you know, you just want it. And uh, I just really deeply enjoy it. And the first like, I'm rereading it right now, which is part of why I'm mentioning it, because the next book dropped in April, but there wasn't an opening for me to cover it until June. So in about a month, I'm going to be covering the next book and I'm dying. I'm so mad that I have to wait. So I am rereading the first eight. I think there's eight out so far, or seven. Um, but yeah, the, the audiobooks for it are really good if you guys are into audiobooks. He does some great voices. And there's a character who pops up in book five, who has a particularly distinctive voice. And it's extremely fun. Anyway, I'm sorry, this isn't the Cradle show. But you guys should definitely read it. And then you guys should join me for the Cradle episodes in a month. Um, I think all of the books right now are free on Kindle Unlimited and Audible as well. Like if you join an, an get an audible membership. Um, anyway, so this is when um, the kids initially trap Django and it seems like they have him. They, uh, you know, trip him. They bash him with a baseball bat right in the nads at one point. 
Uh, I'm trying to remember exactly because there's another thing that they do right before they bash him. Um, and he winds up with this like blue face, which I have to assume is due to being punched in the nads, right? Oh, it's the pepper. Pepper. Oh my God. Guys, can I tell you, as a kid, the pepper thing is used in a ton of cartoons. And I remember being really puzzled because I just, I used pepper all the time and I didn't ever see that happen. And I don't know if it's something that just like, it affects you more as you get older and that's why. But lately, I haven't been able to use pepper unless it's like fresh from a grinder without sneezing all over everything. And it's disgusting. I have been having strong reactions to it. So when the kids did this, this is the kind of thing that as as a child watching this, I probably would have been like, it's so weird how we always pretend this does anything. But now I would be like, oh, that's torment. That seems terrible. Um, but yeah, they they think they got him. And it turns out they didn't actually have him as debilitated as they thought. And Kaya pops up, somehow grabs one of his like, death frisbees out of his hand this was the only thing where i was like how did he just not see her walk right up to him that doesn't make sense but she holds it at her throat threatening to kill herself before he can make her sign the will and makes a deal that she will sign it as long as he doesn't hurt these kids and they watch him or they watch her sign it and are sitting there really feeling like they have completely failed. And then it uh, looks like he's about to kill her when we see Zoro running up and he is carrying Usopp on his shoulder. And they both spot her like on the brink of about to be murdered on the brink of about to be that didn't really make sense but you know what i'm saying uh and then the episode ends so reminder uh i just talked for 45 minutes about a 15 minute episode of television so that doesn't feel warranted but here we are um all right so episode 17 this attack uh skip intro get out of here i don't want any spoilers um let's see what's this one called i always try to avoid reading it anger explosion kuro vs luffy luffy how it ends uh right so this is when luffy grips him up and wraps himself around him and we see all of the dudes, by the way, uh, the pirates, like, all slash up down there. They're standing up. They're able to, like, engage again. But they are stripey. And this, then we cut to the fight in the woods. And Usopp has used his sling. And he... It's a very interesting bit, actually, that I sort of liked. When previously we have had fights, it's been very specifically sectioned. Um, the fights, the two separate ones, Django and Kuro. There has been about five minutes spent and then we move to the other one. But here is the first time that we have some really quick cuts and it's like 30 seconds with Django and then 30 seconds with Kuro, 30 seconds with Django. And this makes it feel a lot more like a finale here. At this point, the pirates all begin to cheer for Luffy and he gets very mad and screams, you have no right to cheer for me, which was hilarious. Uh, and I really enjoy the use of his rubbery neck in order to shoot his head back and tell them all of this. <laughs> Seeing him just like wrapped around Kuro, but with his head a hundred meters away was really something. And then he comes shooting back and it's like he's going to use his head as 
a weapon, which is exactly what he does. He winds up headbutting the fuck out of Kuro. I was just saying in a live episode yesterday how I would really like to learn how to headbutt because it's the kind of thing that I think is probably super useful in a fight. If somebody grabs you and is sort of kept, keeps your arms at your sides or if for whatever reason you aren't able to move. But yeah, this was a good payoff. So Luffy basically picks Kuro up and chucks him down to all of the pirates and is like, get the fuck out of here and take this piece of shit with you and never come back. And they all run off with Kuro and I have to assume kill him, right? Like, what are they going to do with the man who was openly ready to kill them all and sacrifice them all? Because it doesn't look like he's dead. So I'm curious about that. Um, And this is like, you know, what I mean when I say I don't know who's dead and who isn't because it's really played like everybody he defeats seems to be alive by the end or there could be a distinctive way they survived. You know, when he defeats Buggy, for example, Buggy just goes shooting out over the water. So one could assume if he landed in water, the fruit keeps you from being able to swim. Maybe he drowned, but there's really no reason to think that he landed there. It could, he could very easily still be alive. Um, and then we have sort of a funny heart to heart between him and Nami because she comes up to tell him that he did a good job and that she's impressed basically, but he shares that he feels weird because they were so mean to each other. That's not how friends should act. And that's when she's like, yeah, that isn't how, I mean, you're right, but that's what pirates are like. Um, so back to Usopp, he winds up knocking out Django. Again, we don't really know if Django is still alive. I have to assume he's dead. What Usopp decides to do here is kind of puzzling to me. So he wants to just keep it to himself and all wants all of them to also keep the secret of everything that happened here today. And it's really the kind of thing that I think it doesn't actually make that much sense that he wants to do this, but the show wants to emphasize that he isn't after the glory of this and he doesn't feel like he has to prove anything to anybody, which is certainly like... uh, a respectable lesson, but the actual reasoning behind it just seems to be, there's no reason to worry everybody, which I was like, I mean, I guess not, but there's also no reason to not tell them what happened. And I assume because like later on, we wind up seeing the little sheep man who has a weird name. I feel like we hear his name. And I was like, really? I can't remember. What was it guys? Um, is it Carvel? I remember the ship that he made is called a Caravel, which I didn't know that was the name of a type of ship, but now the name of some place in Narnia makes a lot more sense. It was called Caraparavel, I think. Um, oh, Florian says Mary. How do I not remember that? Where did I get Carvel? Mm, I don't know. Maybe I just want ice cream. Um, But I guess that the, you know, disappearance of Kaya's butler is not going to be noted by anybody, despite the fact that he is, like, very respected within the community. (laughs) So there's not necessarily going to need to be an explanation about that. And I guess Kaya assumes that Mary will shut up and not tell anybody if that's what they agree to. He seems like a loyal guy. He probably won't say anything. Um, And the only thing that doesn't really fit in here is Django. Because Luffy tosses Kuro onto the ship. Like, he tells them all to get lost. But Django's still here in the woods. 
So I guess they're just going to bury his body out here and not say anything to anybody, which is like kind of fucked up, honestly. But I guess I just like I said, I don't really feel the whole like we need to keep this a secret makes that much sense, but it's fine. Um, The going Mary is the ship's name. Oh, Gabriella says caravels are types of ships Columbus used to come to America. Okay. I thought I could swear that he says Carvel at some point, and I don't know what that means. Um, They're small ships, easy to maneuver, good for long trips. Okay, cool. Um, So they call the ship a caravel. No, yeah, I know. But I felt like I saw two. You know what? I'm going to go to that spot just because I really feel like he says something that caught my attention that it was Carvel and Caravel. And I was like... What does that mean? Um, so Luffy, there's a, a moment that he ta- he talks to the kids, gets them to agree to keep the secret. At first, they're like, you could prove everybody wrong about you. And he's just like, yeah, I'm not worried about that. And then he tells them that he is going to go off on his own. And this is one of those things that's really funny because – in the end, he goes, of course, with Luffy and his crew. But he's, here it is, a Carvel make Caravel. Carvel hyphen make. So I don't know what that means. A Carvel make Caravel with, with latin sails and a central stern rudder. Um, that's what the going Mary. I don't know what Carvel make means, but there it is. Um, so I, I guess like Usopp was just planning to get a, a ship of his own or he has a ship of his own and was going to go off by himself. And even when he eventually comes down to the beach and sees that they're about to take off, it doesn't even occur to him that he's going to go with them. But of course you're going with them, dude. We do need to talk really briefly about the scene in which he says goodbye to the kids is really adorable. And they're all just like openly weeping. And then he packs and it's such a good bit. You guys, he, it turns out that his pack is the size of his whole house. So when he tries to leave his like bag, isn't fitting through the door and eventually it collects its own momentum. And he just rolls down to the beach completely helpless under the power of his luggage essentially. And I mean, if that isn't a damn mood, I am not good at packing light kids. I am just, uh, I'm the kind of person who wants to be prepared for everything. It's not even like, oh, I have so much makeup or I bring all this stuff for my hair or anything like that. It's I always think that there are going to be more things that go wrong than actually do. So I'll bring all kinds of like various first aid supplies or skincare stuff for really specific things. Or I'll think, oh, we'll have some downtime. Maybe we'll want to use a mask. We're on vacation. It'll be nice. And then we, of course, don't use a mask, you know, like what? And also, I want to be prepared for every kind of weather. And so that includes different types of shoes and shoes take up a lot of room. So I'm wanting to bring my galoshes and my sneakers and my sandals, maybe a pair of cute, sexy heels, maybe something that's like cool to wear around the pool, like a flip flop. And before you know it, it's just out of control. So this was just very, very relatable to me. And uh that's also something like from the uh, Cradle books, one of the main characters really likes to be prepared. And it's sort of a fault at times because they get wrapped up in trying to take too much shit with them everywhere, which just completely understand. Um, I was that kid in school when I was in high school who had like a rolling backpack because I had so much crap in there. I had and it was all perfectly organized, but I had all my textbooks. I carried them with me at all times, every single one of them, my binder, several sets of colored pens for some reason, my own like scissors and craft shit, which 
You would be surprised how many times people had to borrow things from me because I did have it. Yes, I did. Um, but yeah, anyway, this whole cool ship is a gift from Kaya because she's trying to be supportive of these people who saved her life. And she also has a feeling that, uh, that Usopp is going to go away. And I really enjoyed the way that she said that. She was just like, yeah, I just sort of had a feeling, you know. And I, I, when he gets invited onto the ship, Usopp's immediate response is, oh, my God, do, does that mean I get to be captain? And I'm like, wow, you went from never thinking like they wanted you at all to then, oh, but I'm in charge, right? Which uh, that's a big leap. But I really do appreciate the moment where Luffy's like, well, yeah, you're coming with us. We're friends now, right? There was just something so sweet and wholesome about that pronouncement. You know, it was really cute. Um, so then the very last bit of this episode, because I had sort of been wondering this before, and I was like, you know, if we don't find out, it's fine. But I am curious. I was like, doesn't Luffy have parents? that are going to give a shit that he's leaving. And we wind up finding out sort of this origin story about why he would run through the town screaming pirates are here. He had a mother who was really sick and he thought that like, if his dad came back that he'd be able to heal her and that his father could take them away from all this. And he goes running through the town screaming that pirates are here because he's like wanting his father to return so bad, which is honestly tragic and horrible and not heartwarming in any way. And when the, his mother says something like, I'm your father's never coming back, but I'm still proud I married him. I'm like, bitch, no, don't be proud. This man abandoned you. This is not something to mm -mm, mm -mm, no but fine. And it's really interesting how this can happen. When I, I've seen both when people, their parents aren't around, they either have heard a lot of shit talk about that parent and they are like, yeah, well, they're not around. So obviously they must be a piece of shit. Or they do what Luffy is doing and sort of idolize them and turn them into like superhuman, you know, um, but yeah, so Usopp is, uh, is basically his mantle is taken up by the other kids that he has left behind, who now are going to be the ones to run through town and declare that there are pirates here. And there's a little bit that I really liked where we're going through the towns, like all the different homes and everybody's sort of wondering where Usopp is because he hasn't been running through and saying that he, that pirates are coming. And this one guy is like, yeah, it's weird. He hasn't come through. I can't seem to get my motivation to start my day, which honestly I thought was really cute. I liked that a lot. There is something to be said for routine, you know? Um, and the, these little kids deciding to take that up and begin doing that is very sweet. And I wonder if we'll ever see them again. So that's the end of the episode. I have to wrap up. But thank you guys again so much for hanging out with me. Thank you, Florian, for commissioning this and, uh, you know, the last second nature of it. But I very much appreciate it. And um, I will be seeing you all again. Let's see. When's the next one? Uh, June 1st, which is a wannabe episode. So I'll be seeing you then. Until then, toodaloo, motherfuckers. Spoiled Network Podcast. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.